If you are a fan of the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast and would like to help support the show, there's a great way that you can do that and start a new fashion trend. We have a new merchandise page on the website which features t-shirts and hoodies that are available for sale on Amazon. Just click on merchandise in the top menu and all of the links will be there or go directly to divebarrockstar.com slash merchandise. Get started early on your Christmas shopping at divebarrockstar.com. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of professional musicians of all types, touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. Last Friday marked 20 years in Los Angeles for me. So um, I want to just give a shout out and a thank you to all the amazing musicians and fans and people that I've met here, you know, over the years. It's been an unbelievably good decision for me to move here. <laughs> I think it's really important to find your space in the world, kind of no matter who you are, you know, and, and California just... As soon as I got here, I just, I felt like, oh, shoot, I'm home. I remember I came for a visit in 1998 around there, and I remember crossing Ventura on my way back to my car after hanging out at a club uh, called Lava Lee, which is not there anymore, unfortunately. And I think I just watched uh, Brandon Fields play the smoking set with Jimmy Earl on bass, and uh, I'm not sure who the, I can't remember exactly who the other musicians were, but... Uh, I just kept thinking, why am I not here? And, uh, you know, it just seemed like the place for me, you know. <laughs> and uh, granted, it's not a perfect place to live. It's expensive. The traffic sucks. There's uh, earthquakes and fires. And, and, you know, California gets kind of a bad rap in general. But I don't think there's any perfect place to live, really. I travel a lot. And in, in my experience, the level of complaining by, by locals is pretty much the same wherever you go. <laughs> Uh, but the creative energy here and the history of entertainment is just incredible and it's addicting and I'm a proud Angelino and I'm really grateful for what this town has given me and I can't wait to see what happens in the next 20 years. And my guest today actually relocated to this town as well, except he came from a little town in Alaska. He's an extremely talented guitar player, singer, who tours with Dennis D. Young, formerly of the band Styx, and is also on Dennis's latest recording called 26 East, Volume 1. He's also one of the members of the band Waiting for Monday, which I wrote songs and, and played bass on their record. Uh, and he's an amazing guy with an amazing story. So please enjoy my conversation with August Zadra. So were you like formally trained? I moved here from Alaska to go to GIT. Oh, okay. And, gotcha. uh, which is now more probably known, I think, as MI. It's it used to just be GIT. And then I think actually the year I went, they had just opened BIT and VIT mm -hmm. and KIT. Right. Like, uh, wow. And um, I think there's probably even more now, but um, that was a one-year program. And I was lucky that I had saved up money in Alaska 
to come down so I didn't have to work like a lot of my friends were working and going to school and it was just tough, you know, and mm. uh, I was able to really be immersed in that whole environment. And I'd be there sometimes, you know, 16 hours a day where I, you know, I had a roommate and then at one point we had three other roommates that crashed on the floor for a while. So it's like, I'm just gonna go live at school, you know, yeah. it's like, and I had this beater Squire Strat that I still have and love. Wow. I just didn't have a case for it. I just would throw it in my locker at school. <laughs> And that thing is just keeps coming back for more. Wow. But uh, that's, I, I used to try to learn, still suck at setting my own intonation, but I would grab that guitar, be so afraid, just throw it on the ground. It would never break, just wow. bounce back up. And <laughs> <laughs> Go Fender. But, uh, but it was a, yeah, a year long program there and I learned a lot. I forgot a lot <laughs> since, but, um, but I can't read music for shit anymore. Yeah. You know, can I say shit on this? It's like, <laughs> you can say whatever you want. It's a podcast. I don't even know who, if anybody listens to this. Right? So we're, we're in good shape. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's just so, it's so cool to be there with, you know, probably at least a thousand other students that yeah. everybody's there for the same reason. You know, right. it was kind of at the end of the crazy shred scene. Mm. But so it, you would, you know, they used to, they were calling it, uh, uh, I forget what the nickname was out there, but uh, you'd walk down the hall. You Did you go there? No, you went no, to Berkeley. I went to Berkeley. Right? Yeah. That's right. Um, you'd walk down the hall and they had all the doors have like a small, like six by six window in it or something, eight by eight maybe. And you'd hear somebody just, you know, playing crazy shit. And if you went to look in the window, they'd be like this, yes, me. You know, it's like, <laughs> it was just so like, dude, I mean, I like what you're doing, but you know. Right. It's kind of intimidating, but it it, it kind of it was offensive in a way too. It's like, right. hey, you know, just can you? But can you play with anybody else? I see what right. you do. Right, yeah. And there's, you know, that's been my thing too. From I, you know, I, I, I grew up with all these, you know, admiring and studying all these amazing players, rock players primarily. And at some point, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, you go to GIT, you take the pill, you know, and then you come out and you're this guy. And it's like, right. I'd already been playing for like seven years when I went, so I, I knew my way around, and it was more learning about theory and you know uh, composition but um i never was able to it's hard for me to, to make peace with this for a while but i realized i'm, I'm never going to get to that technical level of the guys that i the players i wanted to be right and i you know i guess for some people hmm. there's a ceiling Interesting. you know and it was not for lack of trying huh. you know and then sometimes when i you know i still admire these you know brilliant technical players but sometimes just the other thing is is all some like these singers that have such a high range mm. and i think man, if I could sing like that or if I could play like that. But then I sometimes I realize if I could, I'm the personality I probably would never stop playing that. that so it'd be, I'd be that annoying guy, right? <laughs> oh, I sing like this. And you know, playing right. it's like, so well, that's gotta you know, be part of the motivation, I guess. You you gotta wanna be that guy right. to get there. And do you think, because uh, I know when I got to Berkeley, uh, first of all, what you were saying earlier about like just eat, sleeping and breathing music is right. kind of the best part about both of those schools absolutely you know just totally being immersed but uh, i also just met people and i think i said this on the episode, another episode but that was just spend eight to ten hours practicing along with their classes and i was just not that guy so part of me just didn't want to work that hard you know what i'm like yeah yeah i, I want to get to a certain level that's good and i want to be great on my instrument but man i don't know if i have it in me to be that guy you and know. you know that's a that's something I think everybody faces on their own. Where I mean, you you made your your piece with you you made a decision earlier. It's like I can get to this level. I don't need to be the if I'm at ninety percent. Maybe I don't great to be a hundred percent or whatever. Be at the top of your game. But it's like right. I can learn other things. Like you know, it's not just about 
that's another, I remember reading an article, uh, how old I am, it was in the, is <laughs> Uli John Roth, who was the original guitar player for the Scorpions. Ah. And he kind of went into kind of this music that most people don't understand is what he says, but right. um, he said that uh, my best advice for, for guitar players reading this, he said, try to become more of a musician than a guitarist. Right. And that's where I, what, what I'm taking from what you're saying is like, you could, rather than just being this technical player on whatever instrument you are, there's so many other aspects of being a musician. Right. And I don't, that wasn't taught at, at GIT. I don't know if it was at Berkeley that they're you know, no. like real world right. you know, benefits. Yeah. How to work with people and, you know, be on time and, and right. not, you know, little yeah. things. And that frustrated me for a long time because I always felt like it should be taught in college. And mm -hmm. I guess to some extent I do still, especially Berkeley sort of at the time. And I, I guess now in MIT for sure, like it kind of sells itself as preparing you for the contemporary music scene. Right. Yet but they leave they're just that. still a school, you yeah. know, they're still just a school. And, um, but then <laughs> at the same time I thought, well, I actually, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about it. And when I was you know younger and mad about it and, <laughs> and he was like, well, you know, that's how the world weeds out people that just can't hack it. That's true. You know what I mean? You're going to get out with yeah. all those skills, but now you're going to go in the real world and either you're going to learn it or you're not, or you're you know? Not. So I don't know. That calmed me down enough to be like, yeah, I guess I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It'd be nice if they taught some of that stuff um, for sure. But I don't know. People are going to work it out one way or another, aren't they? You know? Yeah. And here, as we sit here in your studio, we've got a drum set, keyboards, guitars, bass, and, and all of your, you know, your studio gear. It's like, it's a funny thing because I, where I'm getting at is like, um, you might tell people, I mean, maybe when you meet somebody, you might say, oh, I'm a bass player. Right. But you're, you're a studio owner. You're a producer. Right. You have all these other, other skills that, you know, when you're, when you're focusing and usually as a younger guy, when you're like, I'm going to learn the bass from the guitar as best I can. And you've obviously opened yourself up to all these other avenues. Right. That's, yeah. that's huge. That's true. And, and that's, you know, I guess the difference between like a performance major and like right. a songwriting major or something, yeah. you know, it's like, I always had a more general view of what I wanted out of music and uh, who has the time to do all that and be like, a monster. Plus, I played bass. Prince. Yeah, exactly. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, guys do it, you yeah. know, for Walter. sure. Walter. <laughs> yeah, right, Walter, you know. Uh, um, yeah, well, uh, plus I played bass, so, like... One note at a time. You know? One note at a time, <laughs> That's what and, and, says. and having too many chops can lose you the gig, too. That's, yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, or maybe I shouldn't put it that way. Maybe it's like, there's a, there's a lower level of chops that you need to function really, you know? True. And, and I, you know, I, I played with Keiko Matsui for 12 years and, you know, within that time, like we did, we did a show with Al Demiola one time. So wow. it's not like I don't have the chops, you know, and I worked on all that stuff and I did it, but I feel like my career since then has just been slowly like less and less. And now I'm playing on a country gig where <laughs> don't, don't and, play any chops on a country gig. You'll yeah. get, you know, it's a great oh, way sorry. to get fired. <laughs> and, but at the same time, more musical and more musical. Not that Keiko Matsui wasn't musical or sure, those people aren't sure. musical, but it just it's just a different kind of thing. And I'm I'm I kind of enjoy what I play more now that I'm not just freaking out about like, oh, I need all these chops, you know. Yeah. What I mean? <laughs> I've seen guys with great chops that couldn't play eighth notes. Right. You know, it's exactly. like, now can you can you yeah. lock in with the drums and yeah. maybe there's feel a, this? There's a lot more gigs for people who can just really play a song. Yeah. And don't play your guitar, play the song. Right. Know? That that 
back to being a musician, not a guitarist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Play the song. I, I never yeah. heard it that way. But that's I like that. So while you were there, was Eddie Van Halen a influence? Has he been an influence on you? I did see a solo online of you doing some, some hammer ons and some Eddie, really? Eddie stuff. Really? Yeah, you were. Oh, you had a big solo yeah, intro and, and to during um, the gig with Dennis. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, so backing up just a hair. Uh, one of the things I said, you know, everybody had to put their little piece of it when Eddie passed, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I said that. Uh, his influence for our our generation was inescapable. And I said, if there's any rock guitar player that says he was not influenced by Eddie, he's lying. Right. I mean, it was his, the breadth of what he brought to the table with, yeah. you know, his... Or yeah. he doesn't realize it. Yeah, you know? true. That's what someone else mentioned. I heard someone say something about that, uh, you know, the influence, whether it's, whether you realize it or not, but it's like, it's, it's mm-hmm. just, it's in the air. You know, all those things that he, that he, kind of brought into the rock vocabulary and you almost a lot of these things you almost had to it's like you want to be taken credibly as a guitar player you had to be able to you know do the the triplet hammer on thing it's right and then you know it became so diluted with so many people doing it and it doesn't take away from from him yeah you know but when you hear uh, him do it it's it's like a whole other level than most guys yeah you know he's just harmonically like he's just taken it to all kinds of oh man I'm getting and, chills as I'm talking about it. And I remember, you know, Eric, when that when that album came out, I'd just been playing guitar Vale and One. Mm-hmm. I think I've been playing guitar for about half a year, maybe. Didn't you could maybe play G C D and a B seven from the Mel Bay book, but <laughs> the hardest chord ever, B seven or F. Yeah, F F. But yeah, uh, right. somebody uh there was a guitar player in in the high school that everybody kinda looked up to and he was the guy and I remember he was saying, No, oh, you should get this, you go buy this Van Halen record and you he even played a little bit of eruption for me on like a cassette. And I'm like, because this is all one guy. And at the time I'm like, I didn't, it didn't hit me as anything. Cause I didn't know anything about what guitar playing was. Right. I'm like, right. you know, that when, when he first did that, that hammer on section, the, the tapping part, it was like a fugue and nobody played guitar like that at all. And it was people were like, how does he do that? Is it overdubbed? And, right. and um, so I bought the record and I went home and I dropped a needle on, you know, it starts with the, the horns and it goes into running with the devil. And I got about halfway through the, the song and I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> I put it away. I'm like, I think it might've been Roth's voice more than anything, but it just wasn't, I, I couldn't take it. And, you know, like a year later, it's my favorite record, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I wasn't a big fan either. Actually, I liked Hagar better, honestly. Like 5150 was like, whoa. Like when that came out, it was just like, so, it, you know, I'm more of, I was a fan of like pop music Mm -hmm. and just, it was just more of a pop record kind of rocked out. Those songs are just more poppy. And I think that Hagar kind of allowed Eddie to be, his scope of composition was broadened and he he had a guy that could sing everything that he was playing. Right. Yeah. And and nothing against Roth. I I actually love them both. And I will say as much flack as David gets for his live vocals, you go back and you, I mean, there's plenty of isolated tracks online from the, the first record. He was killing in the studio. Yeah. I mean, he has great vibrato. His pitch is great. He has those crazy screams. And, yeah, I mean, oh, and he's, you know, yeah, he's, his, you know, claim to fame is more of his showmanship and, and as a front man, but he really could sing. You know? Yeah. He killed in the studio. Oh, man, for sure. And, you know, I, I, I look back now and I've been watching all kinds of videos because this is going to air in a week or so, but he just died yesterday. So right. Facebook is just you know, video after video. And like, I look back now and I, I appreciate it so much more now. And, and, but I was watching, uh, I think ain't talking about love from 
something somewhere in the 80s and like david lee roth is killing and like how does he make that high screechy sound like i've never heard that sound before and you know just that yeah. sound alone puts him in an echelon of singers yes. that like that's a distinguishing there's feature. his place I mean, you know nobody else can do that that's legendary the crazy you know? thing is that that guy uh, uh his name right now uh Ralph Sainz, who, you know, Michael Diamond from uh, Steel Panther, oh, he can right. do it to a T. Right. It's crazy. It's like a, some weird, it's, we used to all try to imitate that. Right now. The only way I can right. do is like a inhaling. And it was, just, I knew this was not good for my throat. Right. right. So it didn't <laughs> yeah. sound like Ralph anyway. But, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um, yeah, but that was. Uh, and that's they, another thing I just thinking about the Atomic Punks. I remember, you know, uh, that late 70s, early 80s, when Eddie just came out of nowhere and, and just leveled the playing field, mm. um, raised the bar. But, I uh, then fast forward to like the early 90s, maybe um, when the Atomic Punks were kind of coming up in L.A. And I mm. had a buddy of mine come down from Alaska and we went to go see them at the Whiskey. They were, they were so good. And it, you yeah. kind of get caught up in this. You know, when you're seeing, it's kind of like I've taken it for granted, like Eddie's ability. It's like the, then you see a guy who's really playing it almost as pos- as well as it possibly could be. Right. And they've always had brilliant guitar players. When you're seeing some guy, you know, 10 feet away from you playing that stuff and you, you see how incredible it was you're right like, and he did that shit 20 years ago you're like this, yeah. this is just and out of nowhere and he was yeah you know it's another th- point i saw someone make today you know when eddie did all this stuff he was really just a kid yeah. like 20 early 20s and hadn't really found hadn't de- fully developed yet and you know, mm-hmm. he already had these monster chops and ideas yeah. yeah every album there was a new mind-blowing guitar technique to you know unveil yeah yeah cool stuff pretty great so you mentioned uh, Alaska a couple of times and yeah. I'm always fascinated with people from Alaska. I've never, that's my one state I haven't been to. Really? Ah. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I definitely have to get there. There's know. approximately two places you can play in the whole state. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'd probably, they, there is a big country music uh, base oh, up there. You know, so yeah. There were Dwight. Yeah. Well, I'll put, um, I'm putting it out in the universe. There so you go. go Alaska. I had hoped to back up a hair. I guess I, you know, I was born in Alaska, but born and raised in, in a little town outside of Fairbanks, which is Fairbanks is the second largest city in Alaska. At the time, had about sixty thousand people, mm. and we lived uh, about twenty miles outside of town, two miles from the city of North Pole, Alaska. Wow! And we, I, my actual town was called Moose Creek. Whoa! And then we, uh, my folks were both educators, and grew up on on, on Ielsen Air Force Base. Oh, okay. And uh, like when I first moved to, to California, uh, first time I had pulled over, uh, mm. at a North Pole driver's license. Uh, so <laughs> and yeah, you, you would. You have your dog sled team here. I was like, and I said something smart. He's like, really? I'm like, uh, yes, sir. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so did you do like music in high school? And, and well, my, I don't go into too many boring details, but um, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, uh, like 13 through, you know, I grew up play, playing baseball, like literally like everybody did. And that's a misunderstanding or something that should be clarified about Alaska too. It's, you know, that the summer is essentially June, July, August, a little bit of September. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the daylight, there's 20 hours of daylight, oh, like, wow. um, you know, the solstice on June 21st, there's literally like 23 and a half hours of daylight. Right. So the sun's kind of dips, but it's, I mean, it's like this outside at midnight, you know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. They have, what's called the midnight sun game, which the semi-pro baseball team in Fairbanks, the gold panners, they start the game at midnight with no artificial lights. Wow. Only, cool. I think one time they've had to have artificial lighting, but, wow. but you know, the, the flip side of course is mid November through mid February, it's pitch black for 20 hours a day. Wow. And you know, when you're a kid going to school or when you're working, you look out the window at like 10 o'clock in the morning, there's a little bit of sun and 
you know, but it goes down at two. So by the time you're off work or out of school, it's pitch black again. And, mm-hmm. and you know, being born and raised wow. there, that's all I knew. So it wasn't weird to make people, people always saying, how did you live like that? It's like, right. well, what we did. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I had friends that come up to the military base, the Air Force base. Every 18 months, I'd have new friends, you know, but it's like people would come up there and just freak out because like they had to put tinfoil on their windows and, you know, trying to get some, some sense of darkness to sleep. And, right. and in the winter, it's, you know, it's black right. all the time. It's depressing. Can huh. be. Mm-hmm. But um, so my thing in the, in the summers was playing, you know, we fished all the time, of course, but my thing was baseball. Cool. And uh, I was a pitcher. I was never like a really tall, big kid or anything, but I had really good aim. I'm really, really accurate. <laughs> and I never, I couldn't, not, didn't really have much of a fastball, but I had really good control and had it. Had a good curveball, and then somebody started teaching me to throw. Uh, it was a slider, and um, I messed up my elbow, and uh, so I had a lot of trouble with it. I, my claim to fame is at uh, I was a starting and losing pitcher for the All Star team two years in a row, <laughs> and I threw a no hitter one year. But wow. uh, yeah, it was pretty kind of cool. Dang. But um, we went to the doctor, and uh, you know they said a fractured growth center in my right elbow, and Whoa. said you you know you, you can't play baseball anymore. And um, my mom kind of joking, well, what should he do now? And he's like, you should think about playing guitar. And <laughs> it was just oh, like the odd. weirdest comment, right? And, <laughs> I and I was like, oh, what the doctor said. Yep. And so, you know, not wow. sure, not uh, shortly after that, I, in the next school year, I signed up for like beginning guitar. And, and my parents had bought me this Sears guitar. Nice. And God bless them. Mm-hmm. Like twenty four ninety nine, I think it was in the catalog. <laughs> Do you ever have a Sears catalog? Yeah. And, uh, yeah I'm, and I'm, I'm old enough. <laughs> you'd see this picture. Oh my God, this, I'm just covered this plastic yeah. guitar. But yeah. uh, I got it and had, you know, like, I think it was nylon strings at the time or I can't even remember, but it was junk, you know, and, mm-hmm. but I tried my best to figure out how to do something with it. So the school year started and, and, you know, my parents, you know, my dad was a superintendent. So we knew all the teachers and everything, but the, the music teacher, he had had my my, bro- my older brother, my older sister, a year, one year and two years older than me, both played. She played flute, he played trumpet. So th- he knew the family and everything and, and uh, hit to this guitar and he said, you take this home and you say, this is firewood. I need a real guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so that, my real guitar well, ended up awesome. being a, it was an Epiphone, but it was called oh. an Epi. The headstock just said EPI. Oh, weird. That's yeah, kind of funny. I'll have to look but, that up. Uh, don't <laughs> probably collectible now yeah yeah but uh well i got my first guitar out of finger hut my first electric finger hut yeah i forgot about the that finger hut catalog you know it was wow. a, a harmony guitar oh yeah and then yeah. it came with a little plastic amp which is uh <laughs> um but eventually me and my brothers tore it all apart and built other things out of it nice but, uh, and then i got that that was my second guitar ever right on. the fender squire that's now hanging in my studio but uh yeah i'm familiar with the junk that comes out of catalogs <laughs> yeah and so i was learning a little bit of guitar and then i started playing um there was a bass player that was also in the guitar classroom he had already played bass for a little couple of years and his dad was a guitar player and one day you know he said you want to come over on saturday i'm like, sure and I'm, I literally, in one day, he was like getting sick of me. He's like, come on, can we do something else? I, he taught, I learned everything he knew on guitar. It's like, I was uh, like, you know, like <laughs> a lot of young kids, I was like a sponge for it. It's yeah. like, give me this. I want everything. And, and uh, a couple of weeks after that, he said, oh, my dad's got a, knows a guy that's selling a guitar. It's a, it's a Fender Strat and it's like $400. And I was wow. like, you know, I was, oh my God, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't pay for it myself. I don't honestly remember. I'm sure my my parents must have bought it for me, but right. 400 bucks. Yeah. And it has that, you know, that those sexy cases is all that, you know, it's like they're all pimped out. It's mm. orange felt. I still have that. I, I still have the guitar too. And this kind of relates back to the Eddie thing. And 
in the sense that, you know, I, I bought this stock Stratocaster mm-hmm. and uh, shortly afterwards I had somebody, you know, gout, carve it out and throw a humbucker in there. It was like the Seymour Duncan Invader. You know? <laughs> and then uh, somebody carved it out and put a, I wanted to get a Floyd Rose mm-hmm. and uh, they said, oh, we're, we, you know, low stock in Alaska of anything. Right. But like, well, we've got this Kaler and I'm like, all right. And I actually came to really like Kalers later, but this one, this one was kind of a, this one wasn't happening, but, right. and I put a couple of micro switches in it for God knows what a phase switch and a coil split or something, but huh. um, that guitar moved to Dallas with me and back to Alaska. And it was just so thrashed. I think I, I put it, uh, put it in a case, just forgot about it for a couple of years. And then I had a really good friend who was working for Fender and he said, send me that one. I'll see what I can do with it. And I'll build another one for it. I have this great parts caster. And it's like, you know, one of those things like, That's cool. I got it one piece at a time. Right. <laughs> it's really a, a cool guitar. But but wow. uh, he sent it back to the 79 Strat to me, the big headstock. Wow. And it was okay. And then a couple of years later, another buddy of mine wanted to say, I'll, I'll work on it for you. And this never was happening. And it just sat there next to me for a while with no bridge, <laughs> no strings. But it's like sentimental value kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at one point I'm like, it doesn't even... I just need room. I got get rid of this thing. And another buddy of mine said, you know, let me, let me, you mind if I just take it in and see if I can do something with it? I said, you could saw it in half and burn it up. And if it, if it messes up, man, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Right. And he did an amazing job on him. He sent me pictures with, he texted me, your guitar's on fire right now. I'm like, we'll put it out. He's like, no, hold on. It's a good thing. And then he's dragging across gravel and it, it looks so amazingly what? distressed. Then I got a new bridge for it after Nam. I really cool uh, Vega trim hooked me up with an amazing bridge. Wow. And uh, it's a great guitar that I had planned to take out on the road with Dennis this year. And it's like, wow. I'm in a weird place right now where, um, you know, we'll come around to this too. I'm playing acoustic guitar. Right. You know, I gig every Friday at home, but yeah, I, wanna... I have not played electric guitar through oh. an amp in five months. And I'm at the point now where I'm almost scared. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, how, how bad are things going to be when I pick it up again? But, yeah, you know, on, on one hand, it's, uh, you know, everyone says, oh, you play a lot of acoustic guitar, it's going to get your chops way up. It's like, well, I'm sitting playing chords and strumming. It's like, right. I'm not, so right. I mean, it's, you're not shredding. Yeah. <laughs> you're not doing your Eddie Van Halen licks. <laughs> well, that was the thing that I did too. Like, I'm trying to play some Van Halen stuff. I'm like, oh my. <laughs> yeah, that's a trip. Yeah, Very I played humbling. my, yeah. Mm. I played my first gig, like, not this last week, I'm the week before, and it was like a four hour casual yeah. as we call them here you know it was a it was a proposal party actually really um, yeah that's cool but with dwight i play everything with a pick and i haven't used my fingers in almost three years really you know so after spending the and i haven't really played that kind of gig in a couple of years either so i had to kind of relearn all you know brown-eyed girl and stuff you right. know stuff i've played a million <laughs> times but i'm like i haven't just, I just haven't done it forever so after spending like five six hours during the day practicing are your like fingers I barely raw? had any fingers left yeah and like blood blister and like and which hand is worse when you when uh this uh right hand yeah. for sure yeah because wow. like this hand you know i still play all the time right but i use a pick so like no calluses left yes you know and, oh <laughs> my god so i i made it through three sets and the last set i had to play a pick on i was like i can't i can't do that. i'm going to kill my you know i this is going to bleed eventually yes. you know what i mean he's bleeding so, for his, his craft yeah but, uh, but other than that it came back relatively like right you know, i think you're of, gonna be uh, fine uh, <laughs> especially somebody who's played uh, so many shows i mean it's funny you mentioned brown eye girl too because it's like uh yeah, you know, I started doing a thing where I would have like contest winners, like three people would submit three songs. I'd pick one out of the three and do it. And mm-hmm. usually I get pretty interesting songs. And somebody had sent in, it was like, 
two songs that were pretty obscure and Brown Eyed Girl. I'm like, I, I had almost said to somebody online recently, it's like, I will never play, you know, Brown Eyed Girl, <laughs> Margaritaville, or it's like some right. of these songs that, you know, that they're the songs you hear everywhere. We've all played them a million times. People love them. They're, they're classics for a reason, but it's right. like, it kind of feels like you're killing yourself when you do it. And yeah. I said, well, I, you know, my wife and both my daughters have brown eyes. I, I can make this work. And then I like, I end up playing one of the obscure songs. Like, I can't do it. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. It, yeah. I mean, I've played so many bar gigs and that song so many times that you just, after a while, I'm like, all I want to do is make you happy. Like it's yeah. not. You know, and that's uh, the thing. It's, it's, that's our, our role. You know? Yeah. I don't, I have not in many, many, many years, thank God played a gig where I feel like this sucks. This is just working right now. It's yeah. like, we're, we're very fortunate with what we do that we, you know, I had a bass player friend that used to say, I don't care what song it is. If I hate it, I can find one thing in there right. musically about this song that I like. And I focus on that and get through it. Mm -hmm. And it could yeah. be somebody's favorite song out there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And when I was younger, like my mid twenties, I was playing in a band and I, it's weird now because I play with a country icon, but I was not right. really a fan of country music back then, you know, and for a you're lot in your twenties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and I was a jazzer then too, you know, and, um, but I just remember being in this cover band and we played at this, this, uh, I'm from Denver. So there was this little cow town out in the middle of nowhere and they wanted country. And luckily this band knew like three or four country songs. And I was never more happy to play country than that night and to know some country. And it's like, when the crowd is in it, it doesn't yes. even really matter. Like, you know, we're kind of in it just for that energy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank God we know something. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> there's nothing worse than that. Yeah. I was like, well, do you play any of this? Well, no. No, I know. <laughs> it's a drag. And that's a funny thing about country too. It's, um, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years, the new country, I should say, I'm sure Dwight's probably not this yeah. way, but you know, a lot of it, it sounds eerily similar to 80s rock yeah know? oh yeah <laughs> yeah i used to work for a guy and my first band i was ever in chuck hughes was a, he's maybe he's it's listening well, it was in denver and uh oh. now he has a band called the hillbilly hellcats if you're into rockabilly cool and uh but uh this was a cover band wedding so but he was all like eric what's old to rock and roll is brand new to country there you go <laughs> and then cut to like that year um garth brooks was huge and had like an nbc special like his concert at prime time and at the end they take two acoustic guitars and wreck them <laughs> bash them together and destroy them I'm like there it is what's old uh, rock and roll is brand new to yeah. country you know? I, remember, I remember somebody either garth said it himself or they were singing about a show it's like it's, it's like kind of like a kiss concert now it's like you know, right yeah he's flying out of the crowd and stuff it's like, right yeah man. totally you were talking about your Facebook Live thing, and it's like every Friday at seven. Every Friday, seven p.m. Pacific time. My family and I had been in in Mexico. We'd have a time show at Cabo every year in March, and um, while we were down there, everything really. We had just been in Vegas. We played March fifth in Vegas, so we'd all been in that cesspool of Fremont Street afterwards. You know, get any German magical was there, right? Then we flew to to San Diego and played El Cajon on the sixth, and I had a couple of gigs. I think I was supposed to play the eighth and the ninth somewhere in the in the Midwest, and so my family was going to go to Cabo early ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And then those gigs gigs started dropping, and so uh, well, those aren't happening. So I was able to go with them. We were supposed to come back, and I was supposed to go right from home. And the next morning, fly had gigs in Portland and Seattle, and uh, my family was going to fly up to Seattle because I had family coming down from Alaska. It was going to be this amazing family reunion, mm -hmm. you know? and wow. of course, as we know, none of those things happened. But, right. 
Um, so I'd been home after we got back from 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 vacation, trying to stockpile as much toilet paper as we could. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those are the oh days. My gosh, I know. But, we uh, actually went to Costco and bought some right before all this started happening, and we can go about four months on one of the Costco nice. things. <laughs> you know? So we were like, "Thank goodness, you know, that we bought this." But it was put a quarter slot on your bathroom and say, "You guys can welcome <laughs> come over here." <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's pay toilet, sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know what it was I had seen initially, but somebody had done a you know live stream event of some sort, and I thought, well, I, I'm kind of going stir crazy already, like being home for a week or whatever. It's like, right? I'll just you know sit at my my stool and uh, acoustic guitar. I'd been doing acoustic gigs around town with Adrian Gallish for about the last three years at that point, and right. Uh, so I had some. I I up to that first Friday I played, I'd only done in my life three gigs just by myself. Wow. And so this, this was a bit of a challenge and it was, but it was kind of fun knowing that really the only person in the room is my wife. Right. Right. And you're staring at this, you know, at your iPhone or your, you know, but, uh, hoping right. people are out there. But I, <laughs> I said, th- I said, I'll start at seven o'clock and I'll just, I'll, I think I was supposed to play like 15 songs or something. And, right. um, things have gone a long way from there, but, <laughs> but there was, you know, 300 and, 50 people showed up the first night and I was wow. like, well, wow, this is not what I really expected. I'm kind of overwhelmed and uh, did it again the next week. Um, great response again. And so then it kind of took off where then I moved out into the living room yeah. <laughs> and uh, raised the, yeah. uh, there's still no production value. The thing well, about, um, what's it's been definitely really, better though. Yes. <laughs> uh, what's been, uh, it's been great for me. Uh, several things to talk about there with, um, I was fortunate, lucky, whatever it might be on two levels where originally I, I, I didn't say, you know, I'm playing a gig on Saturday, you know, come see me play my show. I just called it the, you know, that's the acoustic happy hour hang. Right. It's just basically as if you're sitting in my living room with me and I'm playing guitar, I'll stop in the middle of a song. I, I, I make mistakes almost every song (laughs) and, you know, sometimes I'll play half a song and we'll break into some other conversation, but it's very loose. Yeah. And I have, you know, I, I've learned a couple of things about myself where people have said, oh, you, you're too tart in yourself because it's like, I'll, I'll get upset with myself if I can't remember the chord change because I tend to make lyric sheets uh-huh. and think, well, I won't, I know the chords. Right. And in the middle of like playing 30 songs, like, ah, <laughs> it's like, where, where's this going? And right. Totally lose your flow, you know, but right. I said, you know, we don't really care if it's perfect. We're just kind of hanging out. Everyone's, yeah. and the, one of the jokes I always say, because I'm playing by myself, I don't use a looper pedal, looper pedal or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I drop out to play a solo, there's, you know, there's no bass, there's no foundation, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep playing the chords behind the solo and you guys can drink while I solo. Yeah, <laughs> that's the solo. Nice. Yeah. And it's just become a thing. It's been come very, uh, a little community has built up. There's a, a new page with about 300 people on it that I've seen friendships develop out of this thing. And right. I'm fortunate in that, um, you know, I have, this sounds egotistical, but it's a very small level. I have a national fan base just from touring as you would. With, right. You know, we, we, right. And so I have, it's all about, you know, after show, hanging out in a hotel bar for 15 minutes or 15 hours, whatever, <laughs> and just engaging with people at, you know, right. especially Jimmy Leahy, the other guitar player in Dennis's band, we're kind of the, you know, the toxic twins after the show, we hang out and talk to everybody and nice. all of a sudden spend, you know, I, I put up this live stream thing and half the people that are on there are two thirds of the people or people I've met around right. the country that yeah. I said hi to after a show one time and 
it's been really kind of cool to see that. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I, I'm not building any chops on this gig. Vocally, I think I am. It's, I'm, right. And I'm doing like, you know, three hours a night. Sometimes it gets to be pretty hairy. I'm, yeah. I'm doing a lot of stuff from one of my buddies says, you're doing a lot of songs from the deep end of the pool. You know? <laughs> Although I also, I, I tuned down a full step. Oh, Because okay, there's yeah. no way I could sing all that high oh, rock yeah. stuff for, for two hours or three right. hours. So that, yeah. that's like I was saying earlier, but I always wanted to be that guy that could sing up there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't quite get there. So yeah. I'll cheat and pull the, pull the key down. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just you. You can do whatever you want. Right. It's your show. That's the thing. <laughs> well, it's really fun. I mean, it's, and I, I've, I've been kind of enjoying that on the weekends anyways, because a lot of people are doing it, you know? So now you get on Facebook and it's just like you can bar hop just right yes. on here, you know, like there's so many, um, and it's getting less and less as people get back to work and whatever it feels Things are opening like, but, up a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, but it's been kind of a cool thing and you know, who knows where we're, where we're going after right. this, you know, this might be a big part of the future, you know, so, and you've already got this established now. And, and that's where I was lucky to kind of get a, a firm, you know, plant my, I can't find my metaphors tonight, but I set up, <laughs> set up shop there at seven o'clock on Friday, which is pretty prime time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've not missed a show in 30 weeks. So yeah, that's amazing. Kind of afraid to let it go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, and um, your, um, your wife kind of tends to, do you get mad because she's stealing the spotlight? Absolutely. And... I'm like, honey, whose show is this? And she's awesome. And it's funny because when we first, back to that first show, I'm like, well, I'll, you know, I'll face the camera here. And then you, yeah. if you could sit just over here, you could like bring me drinks and stuff like Sammy Hagar, like be the waitress, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And I can call for you, you can bring me a, you know, a Moscow meal. And you can sit over here and you can like keep up with the comments because yeah. there's going to be like six people watching, right? Right. And it's, you you know, it's the like 2,500 comments a show or whatever. And it's like, you can't keep up with everything. Right. So yeah. she kind of tends to, she helps me with all the lighting and everything. And mm-hmm. I'm a wreck. But, I mean, it's funny. I don't know how you are with things like this, but- at a Dennis Young show anywhere we play, I, you know, unless I have people, friends that are in the room, like backstage with me, then sometimes I get nervous, but yeah, usually yeah, it's yeah. like, I go out, I'm ready to go. I'm, I can't wait to get on stage. Right. Any, any local gig, whether it's me playing by myself on Friday or, you know, whatever it might be at a do or band situation, I lose my mind. Like half of I'm, like, ah, I'm like just yeah. a wreck, you know? Right, yeah. And she's like, oh my God, just settle down. But, uh, <laughs> but it definitely adds, yeah, I'm, I'm a wreck just doing this. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm like, let's make a podcast. That sounds fun. And I'll just inter- interview my friends and stuff. But I, I don't know. I, th- I feel like I'm having a great time now. But sometimes the interviews the, the least, my least favorite part about it. Because like, <laughs> I got to do, you know, it's a lot of research and that's pretty yeah. fun. But it's like, you just never know how it's going to go. Am I going to get what I need? From We're both in the hot seats. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, so, uh, don't, yeah, I'm, I'm a wreck all the time. But <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you've mentioned him a, a bunch. And uh, so your main gig is Dennis D. Young. Yes. And you're probably completely tired of telling the story, but (laughs) it's kind of amazing how you got this gig. They've made movies about it, but you're like the actual guy, not, not the lone actual guy now. There's right. And and the actual guy in that case, you know, was Ripper Owens from Judas Priest was that story, but a similar thing. And and people say, Oh, it's kind of like they made a movie about you. It's like, well, I was a few years behind the curve, unfortunately, Right. but similar story in some ways. And, and the backstory is, um, I had been in a Styx tribute band here in LA called the Grand Illusion. And um, that's the only band other than some, you know, top 40 bands in, you know, in my early 20s kind of thing or rock bands. I never sang in any bands. I would, but the, it's really you pass the ball. It's like, okay, you sing three songs, you sing, but no one was like a singer. Right. And I remember uh, I was still in high school and uh, some Styx song, I, was, I think it was uh, Too Much Time on My Hands. I'm like, I have a similar voice to that guy. I can, I can sing that. So, and then um, 
I had been in and out, a bunch of faceless, nameless, went nowhere bands in LA. Mm. And I saw an ad for um, a Journey tribute band. This is probably back in like 93 or four. Mm. And I thought, this Beckham Music Connection, you know, I'm like, yeah. I, I remember seeing this ad. I thought, tribute band, that's weird. What's weird is that if there's a guy that can sing like Steve Perry, why wouldn't he be doing it? You know, it's like, <laughs> and on his own. Right. And I went to go, uh, actually, no, I, 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 I think I called the number or whatnot. And I had to record something. It might have even have been cassette at the time, right? Right. And I had yeah. to record like playing along with Stone in Love or something and send mm-hmm. it to him. And, but uh, and it said, it, they wouldn't even tell me who the singer was because he was some famous guy, right? I'm like, whatever. And, <laughs> and they, they said, well, you know, it's, He's backing out of the whole thing. We're not going to do anything. But I'm like, well, that was my my first failed, uh, you know, foray into tributes. But then I right. I saw an ad for a sticks band. I thought, well, that'd be kind of fun. And uh, I went to go and and uh, met these guys and and uh, we all clicked and, and started doing starting work together. And um, we uh, we were, we played off and on around town in different lineups for you know six, seven, eight years, I think it was. And at points we would morph into a journey, uh, a Boston tribute band. And I had played in a journey tribute band for a while too. But anyway, so I I had the last gig we had done in the Sticks tribute. It's at the Pollock Casino down by San Diego area. Mm -hmm. And somebody's girlfriend in the band had a, you know, camcorder or something set up by the sound booth. And it's very distant video, but the audio turned out fantastic. And it was a good band. And the songs are okay, you know, so we had, you know, <laughs> I did the heavy lifting, but, um, right. yeah, so I, at one point I'm always, you know, I'm not exactly an early adopter of technology. <laughs> so at some point I, I got the means to digitize the, you know, the, the VHS right, or whatever right. it was. And, and so I started doing that and I, I go, this new YouTube thing, everyone's putting on the YouTubes, you know, put some <laughs> stuff up there. And I put like six, six of the songs on there. And, uh, literally two days later, I got a call from, uh, Danny Wilde from the Rembrandts. Oh, that wow. was doing some, he was going to be working on a film that involved some sticks music. And he oh. wondered if I'd be interested in working on my of course, and nothing ever happened there. Uh. But two months later, uh, I got a call from this guy. And it's a, I won't, uh, I'm not good on the phone as many of my friends know, but, uh, <laughs> speaking of technology, <laughs> yes. the whole phone thing, man, it's kind of new to me. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I can take pictures. So with where it. are you talking to here? <laughs> and, uh, so this guy had called me. I got an uh, of the message. Oh, yeah, this is so and so. I'm a I'm a I said, I'm a producer manager. Blah, blah and I work with somebody. And then I blah, 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 blah. gave me a call. I'm like, the nerve of that. Call me at home. I don't know who you are. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not calling him back. Fucking. And then two days later, he called again or something. And and uh, now he emailed me. So I'm trying to reach so and so and. So I Googled his his uh, email address, right? Mm-hmm. And it comes up Dennis D. Young's website, right? I'm like, okay, I guess I will call him back, right? <laughs> and uh, and the other thing is, you know, that band, I hadn't, the band had not played in six years and that's the only band I'd ever sang lead in. And um, so then I, finally I called the guy, we talked for like 45 minutes and I was just like, this is pretty amazing. And uh-huh. he, said, cause he said, Dennis is looking to make you some changes and you know, wow. you know, or what's your availability? What's your blah, blah, blah. And, also, the first time in my life, I, uh, being older was a, a, a seen as a positive. Uh-huh. Like, you know, and uh, I was That's 23 cool. at the time. No. <laughs> but uh, And they saw my Facebook profile picture. Had It was near Christmas, it was December 22nd. Mm-hmm. Um, had both my daughters, like my younger daughter's holding like a plastic pink guitar in front of the Christmas tree. And it's all cool. And like, it's a family guy. This is great. And anyway, I was wrapping up the phone call and I said, well, you know, what's the next step? And he said... Well, you know, if Dennis is interested, he'll give you a call. 
like, okay, well, you know, thanks for reaching wow. out and it's been fun, blah, blah, blah. Right. And the next morning, you know, uh, 10 o'clock, whatever, all of a sudden my, my daughter's like, I had Dennis somebody on the phone. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I grab the phone and he's like, August is Dennis DeYoung. And I was like, whoa. No fucking way. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a trip. So there are a lot of us out of work right now, uh, waiting to get back to playing shows and touring. And I know I've had to do whatever I can do to take my mind off the situation from time to time. And one of the ways to pass the time is to catch up on some books you've missed. But if you're like me and you don't love to read, (laughs) there's another way you can consume. Audible.com has thousands of titles to choose from, including audiobooks about music production, songwriting, the music business, music theory, instructional audiobooks, and biographies of your favorite musical heroes. But besides audiobooks, you can also listen to podcasts, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive audio originals you won't find anywhere else. Right now, you can get a free 30-day trial if you visit audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. That's audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar, and you can catch up on your audio reading. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening to the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast. As a new podcast, getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep the show on the road. Uh or off the road, as the current case may be. If you would like to support the podcast, all you got to do is subscribe wherever you listen. And if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also share and follow the podcast on your social media apps. Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having fun. And once again, thank you for listening. Sticks was a very important band for me. They were, I, mm. I, you know, I'm not going to lie and say they were always my favorite band of all time. Right. But, you know, and seriously, I remember, I remember hearing like the, from the Grand Illusion album, like the keyboard swell at the beginning of Fooling Yourself. Like, ah. And mm. that's what the cool older kids were listening to. And I'm like, that that sounds cool. And, oh. you know, and that's that remains one of my favorite parts in the set when they got to do the swell. <laughs> but um, I talked to Dennis for a long time and I was just, you know, he had a lot of questions He's also very uh, suspicious of technology. And has, yeah. You know, but the problem is playing to see too much technology. Right. But he said, "I've seen this. I've seen this video of this of you." And he said, uh, "You know, I, I, but anybody could, you know, alter the the audio on that. And you know, if that's really you, and you can sound like that, and you and me can make a thing, make a sound together, then you know, it's not an audition. You got the gig. If you, if you, if wow. we can do this, and because uh, you know, when when can you be here? Like it was December twenty second. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like. Oh. Well, I, you know, how soon do you want to do this? He goes, I want to move pretty quick on this. And I'm like, well, it's almost Christmas, you know? And it's like, I got plans. Right. And he said, well, can you be here like just after? I said, well, I've I got a New Year's trip planned also. We're going to Big Bear kind of thing. He goes, well, when are you going to be back? I'm like, well, uh, January 2nd. He goes, then be here on the 3rd. <laughs> and, you know, the next day I have a, you know, he sent me a confirmation for my ticket. And well, I was like- And where is here? Chicago. So he's in Chicago, born and raised. Yep. Wow. You know, I figured out the phone with him. I was like, holy crap, this this- this is a real thing. And right. I immediately went to panic mode because I hadn't sang anything and, you know, and that stuff, you know, it's in my range. Tommy's got a, Tommy Shaw has a higher voice than I do by a little bit. I can see most mm-hmm. of what he does. Some of it is above what I, you know, comfortable mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I had to like beat myself up for a week singing like 24 seven and, yeah. you know, and, and totally sticks greatest hits is in my house constantly. The kids know every song at this point. My wife is playing it all, all in the car and everything. But I remember um, going to the airport and um, 
going through, going through LAX and they're like, you know, passengers are out drunk and doors are closing. I'm like, no, oh, man. I was so freaked out, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and Dennis had given me like three songs to learn and I knew them all already, of course, you know, right, right. pull the cobwebs off them. But uh, you know, it's like the, the big ones, I think it was Renegade and Blue mm-hmm. Collar Man and Crystal Ball or something. But uh, right. anyway, so I fly to Chicago and I'm just all freaked out and excited. And it's two things. It's, you know, January 3rd is the middle of winter mm-hmm. and uh, the winter is yeah. really a thing in Chicago. Yeah. And um, he wanted me to come over you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, that's eight o'clock my time. Uh, like no one's saying that you know? high stuff. Ugh. And so, I mean, I, I hardly slept at all because I'm so nervous, you know. And so I go down to the lobby of the hotel, which is like two, two minutes from his house. And he pulls up, this Mercedes pulls up. I can look at because it looks like him. And then, you know, trunk opens. I'm walking out there and I put my guitar in the trunk and I open the door. I said, good morning. He goes, oh, we'll see you about that. <laughs> so here's the thing real quick too, to kind of take a step back. Dennis has kind of a, and largely this, I would attribute to the VH1 behind the music thing. Or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's often portrayed as being egotistical, control freak. And, you know, the thing is he's, super he's a highly intelligent man he he's mm-hmm. i mean he's very well read he can he can speak on any subject mm-hmm. he's very quick witted he's very sarcastic which is kind of a chicago thing right so i think it what comes across once you know him it's that sarcastic wit or if you don't know him it, it can come across as arrogance i think mm-hmm. and um so right away i'm like oh shit this guy what's his deal it's like you know, right. we'll see if it's a good morning or not <laughs> right and a small talk on the two minutes to his house and then we go up into he's got gated community his amazing house and all this and we go into the kitchen and it's kind of like small talk for a minute he goes well, you know, downstairs and he, he's got his amazing studio in the basement you know and uh it's funny we're walking down the stairs and he's got these movie posters on the side and mm-hmm. an odd combination or you know the Quite a wide, wide range of films. Right. And he saw me like make a you know face at one of them and he said, oh, I just want you to know these aren't like my favorite movies. And these are all the films that my music's been used in. I'm like, oh, oh okay. Cool. Makes sense. <laughs> but um, <laughs> then you get down there and, and uh, it's very impressive. It, of course, I'd never seen something like this gold records all over the wall, gold right. cassettes I'd never seen. You know, wow. There's the Roboto mask. There's mm. all these amazing photos everywhere and everything. And he's got Jeez. this great studio set up and then there's a you know baby grand and uh he said well get out your guitar I said, you know tune up everything sit down with me here at this at the piano he said put the guitar down we're, just, we're gonna sing and you know like 10 10 30 maybe and i'm i'm just like i'm kind of in awe you know yeah and um so he sits down and i'm sitting next to him he starts playing lady you know that was like tommy's big thing too it's like if you can hit the d note on lady you're in <laughs> and uh, so it's like he starts playing and i swear to God, my first thought was I'm like, it sounds just like the fucking record. <laughs> There's something about it. It's like, yeah. he's the guy. And it's like, mm-hmm. you can yeah. play the same notes, but it sounds just like, I'm like, oh, it was, I was like, <gasps> you know, yeah. and he opens his, you know, he's just, he's, and I've seen him do this for 10 years now. It's like, it could be, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, three in the afternoon, eight o'clock at night. He always sounds the same. It's Wow. uncanny one time i told huh. him he's a freak of nature and he said i prefer anomaly <laughs> but uh, he just starts day, day, and he's just playing and i'm like sitting there waiting my turn and mm-hmm. he's like he goes and it goes to the b flat a like chorus is coming because you're ready I, yeah let's see and, he, and, I'm like, <laughs> and he just looks at me like well, that was interesting and like, he goes let's let's try that again shall we and, and, and the second time wasn't much better uh. and i'm just like what else is happening? And he gets up and he's behind me, right? And I'm like, he puts his hands on my shoulder and he says, look, I, I know that you don't see me the way I see me. And I know that, you know, you're, you're, you're nervous right now. And I'm waiting for the, 
you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the sword yeah, you yeah, slice yeah. off my head. But he said, you know, he goes, hey, you're, you're out here because I think you can do this. And he said, let's, let's go upstairs. Let's relax for a minute. We'll, we'll come back. So we go upstairs and you know, had coffee or something, whatever, just kind of shoot the shit a little bit. And he goes, let's go back down. Let's try it again. Come on, we do this. And he told me later, he's thinking, what have I got myself into with this kid? He can't even say. <laughs> and, uh, so we go down there and same thing. He sounds amazing. We get up the chorus and I hit it. And he's like, there we go. Yeah. And, and I was like, wow, that, that, that sounded pretty cool. And we did it again. And he's like, he goes, yeah, this sounds good. This sounds really good. And he goes, now get your guitar. And we, we did a couple other things. And and then uh, all of a sudden he gets interrupt, uh, interrupted by a phone call and it was his manager and it turned out he was auditioning a bass player the same day, mm. but the scheduling got messed up and it's by somebody. And uh, Craig, the bass player, was sitting at the airport waiting for a ride. Nobody knew he was there. Wow. wow. So he arranged for a car. He was there in about 45 minutes from that point. So mm. we, Dennis and I were just kind of getting to know each other a little bit and talking about music and stuff. And uh, so Craig gets there, he walks in and we're sitting at this massive din- you know, table and, and Dennis at the head of the table. And I'm sitting like to his right and Craig walks in like, hey, new guy. <laughs> I got like 45 minutes seniority, right? I'm like, but but the, bless his heart, he, he's a sweetheart of a guy. And he's a Nashville guy, mm-hmm. uh, bass player. And he is, uh, Craig Carter is his name. And mm. he would get a lot of session work to replace female vocals on things. He, oh, He's wow. got this voice, right? Oh. So, and he had, he comes from like a gospel R&B background and he didn't know Sticks from Adam, right? Yeah. But they gave him the three audition songs. And so he's got those and. We're literally walking, he's behind me, we're walking down the stairs to go do the, you know, try the song again. And he's like, bro, you want me to take the high part? I'm like, oh man, I think I love you. So rather than me sitting the, hitting the D on lady, I'm now I can hit the A. Right. And so it's, you know, F sharp, A, D, D triad. Nice. And it's so in his range effortlessly. It makes, mm. you know, it's like wow. I said about you hitting that note on um, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's like, at least make it look hard. But, um, but wow. we're, sounding, we're sounding really good on the songs and, when we're doing Lady over and over, that's that's kind of like it's a beautiful harmony, you know. And, and uh, he yeah. starts getting excited. He's like, you know, calling his son, Matt, come down here. And we'll come back to Matt in a minute too. Come down here, listen to this. And he goes, we do it like three times. You know, like, hey, hey. <laughs> he's like, that's great. And he goes, Suzanne, come down here. Goes, Tim, I had the manager come down. He's like, yeah, sounds good. And finally, he gets his wife to come down, Suzanne. And he's like, listen to this. And, we, and she's like, hmm. He's like, what? <laughs> that was pretty damn good. <laughs> and then she smiled. But um, the reason, uh, so. And I put the videos on YouTube and Dennis's son, Matt, kind of uh, famously an insomniac. And it was not too many years, I think, after Journey had found Arnell mm-hmm. on YouTube. Right. And so Matt was up one night, midnight, and he's like Filipino uh, sticks vocalist. You know, tribute <laughs> or something. He couldn't, couldn't find it. But, you know, going down the YouTube rabbit holes we've all right. done, yeah, eventually sure. somehow it, it got to, to me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Wow!" And it was—I think I was doing "Man in the Wilderness," which is one of you know, my favorite songs of Sticks, or Tommy's to sing. And um, so Matt called Dennis. It was like twelve thirty, mm-hmm. and he was like at night, and he's like, "There better be blood." You know, no one calls me this. And he's like, "Dad, you, you gotta, you gotta go to your computer right now and watch this." Wow! And uh, that's amazing. It was pretty unreal. So I always say, "God uh, bless Matt DeYoung. God bless the internet. God bless YouTube." You know? <laughs> and thank you, Tommy Shaw. Right? Wow. You know, and that's a point I want to make too, real quick. And that's uh, the role I'm in is basically Dennis hired me so that they could start. Dennis for years was doing his solo show and they didn't do any of the Tommy Shaw songs. Mm-hmm. And then he decided that when people go to see Sticks, 
currently. Right. He was saying that they aren't, they're not getting the whole package because there's some songs of Dennis's that they don't do. Right. And Dennis doesn't do some of the Tommy, doesn't do any of the Tommy songs. Mm-hmm. So he said he wanted to deliver the whole package yeah. uh, of a you know, classic six performance. And uh, I always say that I really just tried to do the songs with as much respect and as much passion. And, you know, I, I, I think those songs are great and yeah. it's to do them and to be on stage with, you know, with Dennis, it, it's every yeah. night, man, I look over at some point and just go, I can't believe I'm, you know, right. It's yeah. been a, a real thrill. That's amazing. But um, another fun fact that uh, Tommy Shaw and I have the same birthday. <laughs> That's crazy. Nine eleven. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that's amazing. So, you're, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It, I think it's also just this right time, right place. Because yes. he was just starting to like, I'm going to do the sticks thing again. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty awesome. So how much are you trying, like you say, you're, you're doing it with respect. How much are you trying to emulate or how much are you trying to be? I mean, you just naturally sound like him it's a similar, as well, right? similar uh, vocal timber, timber, mm-hmm. um, timber. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I did have some experience, you know, I, mimicking Tommy's work but it, 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 again it was never like a lot of the tribute bands you have a guy who's trying to sound like somebody right and I was lucky and I just it's just a very similar voice did. to mine yeah. and I've I've learned some, look like him and... there's that yeah. <laughs> uh, you're perfect but, uh, <laughs> but there's little things that you know I, I still uh I talk to Rudy about this a lot where it's like I I still don't I've had you know I've watched a lot of things on YouTube and I uh have had approximately four vocal lessons in my life and I don't mm. really understand a lot about singing and I I interesting I try you know I, yeah. I put in the time but yeah I I really there's a friend of mine who just moved uh, back to LA that's a vocal coach that I want to start working with soon but there's a lot of things I was going to say like uh, I've noticed like uh singing renegade like there's sometimes like I, I know if I have to smile or get more teeth into it to right. make the tone more similar and mm-hmm. there's so many nuances to singing that i'd never yeah. like i'm hitting it out with brute force now kind of thing yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, and I, i've always felt it more like uh, and this is not a false modesty thing or fishing for compliments but honestly that i've like i like you probably have the same way in some regards you when you hear a guy who or anybody who's really sings and you get that goosebumpy kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's like yeah that's a singer and i feel like <laughs> i'm i feel like i'm more a guy who's hitting the notes um, you know and and i don't have that Right. You know, you hear this pure expression come out of people and it's like, man. Well, it's, it's tricky as a singer as well, because what we're doing, because what I, you know, so when I got the, the Dwight gig, like mm-hmm. I've, I've sang my whole life, but this is a country gig for one. And it's the high singing part that I've not, I've only, I only kind of maybe within a few years of getting the gig had kind of figured out my own voice. Cause I was more of a, you know, a low tenor and I did a lot of R and B. I uh-huh. wasn't the rock singer. I wasn't a rock guy, you know, more Sinatra was closer to what I, I wow, okay. and now here I am on, uh, on this country gig with a Grammy winning singer, yeah. you know, and it's me and him most of the night just singing, you know, and he likes it mixed to where it's almost a duet, you know, and we're doing Buck Owens and Merle Haggard and all this classic stuff. And like, That's I remember cool. one time we we were playing at Billy Bob's in, in, in Fort Worth and I walked in and we were, we were in a hurry and, and we just had to get changed because the show was starting and, uh, and someone was in our dressing room and I'm like, what, what's going on? And we're kind of held up for a second. And then I see the tour manager clearing the crowd. And I'm like, okay, cool. And, and and he's leading out 
Randy Travis. And from I your was dressing like, room. From get the dressing room. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. You know, great. You know, we get on stage and, and we're starting to show. And I look over on my side of the stage and Randy Travis is sitting right there, 10 feet from me. And Dwight Yoakam's right there. And I'm singing in between two of the most iconic yeah. country singers. And I'm just like, how did I get here? But the point, point I was... I was making is like, and kind of the same with you, you're singing, I'm singing parts that are on the record. I'm singing harmonies that are, are that I'm kind of assigned. Right. You know, most of the guys, like Dwight, on the other hand, is singing songs that were meant for his voice, yes. that are in his key, you know, and, and, and are truly from him. So that expression and those goosebumps come from him. I'm, I'm like a utility guy. You're, and you aren't, you're out front, but you're also just singing a song that's, that was meant for someone else's voice. Yes. You know and I mean? that's the, the kind of the difference between like uh, creation and imitation in a way where, yeah. you, like you say, you're, you're hitting all the, you're, you're fulfilling that role and hitting the notes right. and, but you can, like I said, I try to do it with as much passion and try to put myself into the right. into that role. But ultimately, yeah, it's you're singing what was written by somebody yeah. else for their own voice. And I've I've seen it on YouTube. I haven't seen you guys live, but it, I mean, it's it's because you're always working. I mean, I'm a busy dude. <laughs> it's the best ex- best excuse there is. Uh, um, um, but uh, I've seen it on YouTube much today, all day long, all day long. <laughs> I've been watching you, and um, it's amazing. But it probably Thank doesn't you. feel like it. So what, what you're what you're expressing is what it feels like. It's not how it comes across. I'm sure right. you know you sound great. That's you know obviously you. the the songs are great. You 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 fit into that role perfectly. It is a dream. I mean, it's a dream gig for me. It really yeah. is in, in in every way. And it, I just feel completely blessed and fortunate. And all yeah. the guys in the band are really great players and, and great human beings. It's almost uh, you know put us you know shine and everything like it's like it's really that way yeah no that's amazing so are there any tricks or so what what do you do to keep your voice in shape when you're when you're out on the road well first of all do you do you guys go out for long periods of time or are you kind of out and back every week or that's a good point it's it's basically weekend warrior stuff Mm -hmm. you know typically um no there was one crazy month it was a great month of crazy in a way (laughs) probably the six seven years ago where we had uh I was gone 26 days at, at, wow. at a month and that's never happened anything like that gotcha. before. But typically I, I I leave, fly out on Thursday and home on Sunday. Cool. And I usually play Friday, Saturdays and it's, yeah. you know, we do about 65 shows a year and sometimes it'll be three, sometimes it's one, you know, but mm-hmm. when I'm not playing with Dennis, if I have a weekend free, then I'm playing a local gig with Adrian doing acoustic stuff. And, right. but um I have a, there's a vocal coach, if I can name names, uh, Jamie Vendera. Sure. Absolutely. He's a, uh, he's, he is an instructor that I follow online, and uh, he has this uh, warm up warm up course. Oh, cool! And I have that. It's like eight minute exercises, mm-hmm. and then there's another fantastic uh, coach, Ken Tamplin, mm-hmm. and he has another. These are you know his is free on YouTube. I do those two exercises every single day. Oh, cool! You know, whether I'm singing or have a gig or not, and just and it's just one of those things where I sort of do it by road after a while. But it's mm-hmm. and they always that adage about you know it's not. Practice makes perfect. It's perfect. Practice makes perfect. Makes, yeah. And so I'm doing these exercises and I don't know if I'm actually doing myself any favors at this point. So it's right. like, that's what I'm really starting to look. I've got to find, yeah. get some new help and some new Well, you know, I do have a guy, actually a guy's yeah. name from Rudy as well. Cool. But, and I, because I, I was, where I was kind of leading to is like, I had to take some lessons and I've sung my whole life and, right. and have records out, you know, but it, it was the same thing. Cause I feel like it was the same feeling too. Like when I got on the gig, I was like, oh, this is like really a singing gig. It's really a singing period. Like the bass parts, it's country music. It's pretty simple. It's not, 
Aldi Miola. You right, know what I mean? Right. It's uh, it's uh, it's pretty simple. It's really about the vocals, and so uh, I'm going to have to be great, you know. And uh, for me too, it was like I was I was in an instrumental band for years on the road, and I could party my ass off all night long yes. and not care. I could you yep. know I could be hungover as I wanted to be and still play. The voice is not that. That's, yeah. uh, I had to start taking care of myself in a whole different way. And and um, Dennis is real big on it. Same thing like you were saying, th this band is all about the vocals. Mm -hmm. Anybody can play these guitar parts. Anybody yeah. can play those. It's like, it's right. got to be. And yeah. I remember the first time I, whatever it was, right? I, I had a couple, of, I've lost my voice a couple of times in the last 10 years where, for a week or so. Mm -hmm. But um, we're, sometimes, we, luckily, I think two of the three gigs where I had trouble, two of them were corporate gigs and we just had Dennis do more songs. Or one time Craig sang Renegade. It was kind of cool. But um, the, the very first gig we did, um, there was, uh, they had like in the, these swag bags and there's stuff called Entertainer's Secrets, a little spray, mm -hmm. a little tuxedo mm -hmm. on it. Right, right. And I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm like, that felt great. Mm -hmm. And so I'd bring it to every gig and, you know, and Dennis one time was like, what do you think that does for you? And I'm like, I think I could fly. It's like, <laughs> it's artificial, but if I believe it, it'll right. work for me, right? <laughs> but uh, the first time I was struggling, you know, he pulled me aside one time and he was like, he was because I know you, you know, your brother was here last night and you guys had some beers after the show because, you, you know, your alcohol dry you out. You know, he's, mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. said, you know, it, you got to start learning to play chess or something. You got to start, you know, at the end of the show, you got to go back to your room. And it's like, yeah. he said that the life of a singer is the life of living without. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't wow. smoke or drink and he's very careful what he eats all the time. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm a side guy to, for the large part. Mm -hmm. And it's not my name on the, on the bill. Not that I don't, not that I respect it any less, right. but there's less pressure on me. It's, right. And I feel like if, you know, if I could only sing three songs, we'd still be fine. But um, I still want to live my life. But, you know, the older I get too, you know, it's like, I, I realize that I can't eat some of the, I remember, you know, when a buddy of mine turned 40 and he was like, oh man, I can't eat pepperoni pizzas anymore. I'm like, oh, I suck to get old, right? <laughs> and now there's things like, I, I find if I get, like I I went and got scoped one time about maybe six years ago when I was having some issues. Mm -hmm. And you know, they came out and they said, well, uh, the good news is you don't have nodes. I mean, I had the, uh, I'm on an old phone where I'd played for you. Mm -hmm. I, I, I said, I'm driving to this out in Glendale, I think. And I said, this is my before, you know, I'm, and I'm driving and singing to my phone. It's mm -hmm. like, ah, in the middle of it, it sounds like a fax machine. It's like, ah, <laughs> ah. Like, it's just terrible. Wow. And I was terrified, you know, and then um, yeah. I said, you don't have nodes, but you do have a lot of acid reflux damage. Mm. And, so, and I was shocked to hear that. You know, my dad used to have really bad GERD. <laughs> and uh, he said, you stop me when I'm wrong. I said, do you, you, do you like red wine? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you, do you like spicy food? Yeah. You like tomato-based food? Yeah. You eat a lot of chocolate? Well, not that much chocolate. He goes, well, three out of four. Yeah. And he said, you know, I don't know. He scared me. It's like, if you're going to do this, and he, I had some kind of antacid over, uh, prescription at the time I used for like a month. Mm -hmm. And then um, I've been taking apple cider vinegar religiously. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah. And it's like, and especially if I know I'm going to be having a certain kind of food, it's spicy foods. You know, I love Italian food mm -hmm. and I can't drink tequila before any gigs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but there's things that just, you have to be careful. And, and they said red wine is bad for I don't know if it's me in particular, but right. they put the fear in me. It's like, mm -hmm. you said that that'll yeah. affect your chords for two weeks. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like when I, you know, I'm right. a different person when I know gigs are coming. And it's like, I, I try to be more careful.
Yeah. And if no gig, I'm not that careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear that too. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I can't, I, I don't drink coffee anymore. I can't do that. I've had to give it up. I, do. I don't even drink caffeine when I'm on the road just because of like any little thing. Wow. I feel like I need to be so in, my head needs to be so in the game once I hit that stage. Um, now for you, real quick, sorry, like, um, is there anybody else in the band that could take your parts if... Not, not the high stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that I, and it's I, critical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so I gotta, I gotta be there, you know, and, and we're a lot the same. We, we go out usually on the weekends. It's like three to four shows a week, two to four shows. But, um, uh, for a while it was four shows every week. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm like, so out of what I normally think of as my range that it's like that stuff wears out faster and the travel know. and the hotels all it's oh, yeah. all the air conditioning and everything oh man i yeah. drink a ton of water you mm -hmm. know yeah yeah definitely and then the no sleep too because i don't know how you guys travel it so if we're on the bus then it's you know you have a four or five hour drive you maybe you get some sleep then you wake up and you go to the hotel and i'm can't get back to sleep for a couple hours yeah. and then i get another four or five hours sleep there and all together it's like you know, nine or eight or 10 hours, but, but it ain't it's the so same. broken up and <laughs> yeah. like everything you can do to just keep yourself healthy, you know? That's another thing that I've been fortunate with was, you know, it, in the 10 years plus of doing this now, I'd, uh, I've been on a, I think I've been on a, on a bus three nights. Oh, wow. We fly everywhere. And oh, then okay. if it's, if it's a routing issue of, you know, 150 miles or whatever, 300 miles, mm. and we, we rent cars and drive that, that leg of it, you know, but. Yeah, got you. Um, and so you're also, Tommy Shaw. So you're fronting the band. Like when you're, you're not just, okay, throw them a song. You're, you're like, you got to front it. Yeah. Was that kind of intimidating at first as well? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I still think I've probably said 10 words to the crowd in, in 10 years. Cause, <laughs> and Cause I remember Dennis saying, you know, you're not that comfortable with it, are you? With, with the speaking part. And I said, no. And he goes, goes, well, I'll tell you what to say. And then he never did. <laughs> and, you know, I've. So he expects you to, to talk too. And No, not I mean, he's like, well, you just sing your song and say hi. I'm like, good night. And it's, and it's <laughs> the point now, it's like, I mean, I, I started thinking, I want to start watching like Arnell and I want to, mm. uh, Kelly Hansen, that's an amazing job in, with, in Foreigner. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I just, I can't imagine myself going up there and saying, yeah, this next song is Crystal Bob. We wrote this back in 70. It's like, none of these songs are mine. So how do I, I can say, well, this is my favorite song. Or it's like, it's just, how right. do you make it sound right. cool? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It's but, a thing, uh, that's another thing too. It's not, you're, you're now you're an entertainer. You're not just a guitar right. player. You know? And that's <laughs> this, you know, last 29 weeks of, I mean, I'm fronting this. I'm, I'm the only person talking or singing all night, which right. takes its soul too on the on the yeah, voice. Yeah, for sure. But there's, well, I'm got a you know 150, 300 people out there. It's like I don't see any of them. Yeah, so it's, it's giving me some <laughs> confidence, but I don't know if it's still going to translate. I, th I think it will. Right. And I'm just more comfortable being me now. I think, yeah. Way, you well, know? you kind of have to find who you are too on yeah. stage and find your character that right. you're playing, so that you're not right. necessarily having to be you. You know, <laughs> you're like this is who I'm on stage. People have always told me too. It's like you know, your guitar is your binky. It's like <laughs> it's like Clark Kent and Superman. It's like if I've got the guitar on, I and I you know I run around. I have fun. If I'm on stage, people are say, "You look like you're so happy." That's like that's my happy place. It's my family yeah. are on stage, and right. I it, I'm playing songs that none of the. I don't want to sound dismissive, but none of the songs in that in their catalog are incredibly difficult on guitar. Right. It's, mm. And, uh, oh, but it's always about running back and getting back to your microphone in, in right, time, you know, yeah. but, uh, 
but um but it is a lot of chords yeah there's a lot to remember i mean i was in bostics for oh, right, for right. a while you know so <laughs> i'm very familiar and it's a lot to remember it might not be difficult but it's it's, it's lots. Still gotta, yeah <laughs> and that's a, a funny thing too it's i mean when i got the gig the, the drummer that i'd play with in in the in the Boston, the Sticks tribute, mm. it's like now you're playing the same songs. You know, like you, you've already been playing these almost as long as Dennis has. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not quite, but right, uh, right. But uh, but but it's, you know, if the guitar's in front of me, I feel like I've got this special power, and yeah. I, I've got a barrier. You know, take it off, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that happens <laughs> to all of us, that's for sure. And then it's like yeah. you got to get out there and do it. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing that rudy we kept talking about rudy because because we're going to get to why right why rudy rudy Cardenas that has been on the show already um but he's great at that he's like a front man you know in fact too good because you know even when he's just hanging out at your house he's got to be mr front he's on (laughs) (laughs) no he's great but uh but yeah he's 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 the guy to take lessons from on that i would think because yeah it's it's intimidating when uh, you know we're, we're both. I'm a bass player, and that's even bigger. I right. covered up even more. You know? <laughs> and I also was listening to his two latest records. Like one just came out in May. Yes, Are in April. That? Yeah, it's that was a thrill too. Awesome. We didn't get to write with him, which was mm-hmm. kind of disappointing. Right. But you know, guys in the band are on every track, and I think I'm singing on on almost every song. I'm playing guitar on some, uh, and and just you know, I was there with him tracking stuff. And it's like me and Dennis and Jim Peterick around a microphone singing like this is pretty oh, cool. Man, this is awesome. And there's one one of the rock songs like it starts with just singing and he goes, just give me like the like those tenor B scream right here. Because <laughs> okay, you're in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <"That's me." laughs> yeah, just, well the record is great. It's very sticks, man. Yeah. It's it's, it's old school. Completely. So cool, man. And his voice, I mean, there's there's some things, you know, live too, where it's like you sound better than you did when you recorded that 35 years yeah, ago. I know. It's I was nosing that too. It's like, how, how old is he? He's is 73. 73. I mean, that record sounds just <laughs> the same as it would if it... Yeah. Oh, man. That big first single, East of Midnight, it's like, that just, yeah. that sounds like it could have been on Grand Illusion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great tune. And what's the other one with all due respect? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Check that one out. <laughs> Very cool. Well, we keep bringing up Rudy and uh, because we did a, all did a record together and uh, called Waiting, Waiting for, for Monday, Monday with a band called Waiting for Monday. And um, so we should probably talk about that a little yeah. bit because it's still on iTunes that, or and still on Spotify. You know, that's kind of the cool thing about putting out a record now, even if it's out like my record, I haven't even done one in 10 years, but it's still up there. It's, it's not there. like that's out of print. You right. Know what I mean, right. go get it. And this, uh, this record is not that old. It's, it's still pretty new, but February, uh, February 14, which I mean, it seems like I'm like, that, that was this year, year, right? Yeah. Oh man. It seems like last that's year to me. Incredible. That, well, it's just because it took like five years to make. <laughs> no, I don't know. It didn't take five years. But it took a long time. <laughs> it took five five weeks and, and $13. <laughs> <laughs> but how did all that come about? Because it really started with you. Uh, it it uh, really comes down to, um, it's again, a kind of a networking thing, who you know and all that. Mm. And a and, uh, good buddy of mine, Jeff Scott Soto, he's been with Frontiers for, you know, on and off for almost 30 years phenomenal singer um a good friend of mine and he was was in journey for a minute right? yes yeah and he sang and he was in a friend of ingve's band when he was like 17 wow and then he's done a lot of had a long solo career he was in journey for one tour he's currently been with uh, sons of apollo for the last couple of years mm. and um 
another guy who still has incredible range after singing for you know 30 right. some years but um he was taking on kind of an A&R role for frontiers looking for new talent and mm-hmm. he's like hey I, you know i think we can we can do something with you you know he goes would you want to do a solo record and expecting me to say yeah this is fantastic and i'm like well <laughs> you know, let me think about it because i don't really think i want it's the dream man you're I'm getting like, signed if it's here sign here and now you're the guitar player you're you're the you're probably the bass player i could never get play drums so mm-hmm. you you're the singer you're the songwriter you you do you do the album art you do the, all the everything i'm like i'm not that guy mm-hmm. i've always been tribal in a way it's like i want my five guys mm-hmm. and you know even again back to the tribute things it's like sometimes you know, we'd rehearse on like tuesday nights whatever it was we go seven to ten someplace in some small room and loud and sweat it out right but my wife would say these songs are 30 years old and you've been playing them for 20 years. Why do you need to, to practice them? I'm like, it's, I just want to make loud noise with my buddies. And right. it's like, it's, it's our little pack, of, you know, us against the world. Kind of thing. So then I said, I, you know, I don't think I, maybe I could do something with somebody else. And, and he said, well, uh, I'm going to pitch Rudy to them too. And he said that um, when they heard, I think it was the album that you did with Rudy, mm-hmm. or you did, you produced right. for Rudy. Yeah, I produced yeah, and co-wrote yeah. all the record. And um, my understanding is that then they said, well, we like this, put him with August. And they didn't know that we'd you know, played in, Rudy oh, and I had been in that Journey Tribute band off and right. on for a couple of years together. And so he and I were both like, yeah, I'd love to work together. We've been talking about it for years off and on. And this kind of was that. And that, uh, that so I said, well, we'll work together. Well, we'll do this. We'll sign this deal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, Rudy, I, I knew you as well, but Rudy had known you for years and worked with right. you. And and you bring not only the, the bass and vocal, but you know the, the production and songwriting aspect to it. Right. And so we would say we're going to do this thing. And from my perspective, I'll say this. Or, and Rudy, I remember telling me one day, he's like, you know, I'm the laziest guy in the world. And I was like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, super talented guy. And he'll tell you. So he told me yeah. right straight from the horse's mouth. Right. So it's, but um <laughs> I remember having a conversation one day, probably maybe even when Jeff was there, but like, you know, what, what do you foresee for the lineup? And, you know, even when it's just do a solo thing, it's like, well, I would, I definitely want to have, I don't play keyboards at all. I could play chords if I, you know, mm, it's like, right. I don't want it to be like a, you know, eighties rock, you know, I love that music, but right. I don't want to be very, completely one dimensional about it. So right. I want to have, a, you know, different options. And um, I knew Walter from jam night basically Right, and Walter Eno. Walter Eno. Multi-instrumentalist. Incredible talent that, uh, to the extent I wasn't even fully aware until having worked on this record together, but um, Rudy said, well, you know, do you have a guy in mind for like a utility guy? I'm like, absolutely. He said, Walter's the guy. And, and, and Rudy had done something with him recently also. And he's like, that'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. So we got Walter involved and Walter brought an immediate sense of focus to everything. Where it's like, he is a studio owner as well. Right. And... Um, he works really fast where we'd throw out an idea and be like, okay, well, he's got, he's got it demoed, like as we're sitting there discussing it. Right. And we got a lot of things to, done to, in, in a hurry. But, you know, you had done a lot of the, the early writing with Rudy and yeah. then I brought some things in. There were a lot of collaborations. There were some, you know, mm. f- some songs that were th- for the most part done and Walter and brought to, in some songs. I had to bail, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got that, the gig uh, and took off and like... I would literally okay. have the conversation with Rudy too. Cause you know, he was like, yeah, you can just write all this stuff and produce it. And like, I was like, great, this is going to be awesome. And then I was like, ah, I can't do it, man. I, I, you know, I'm happy to write and like right. I did whatever I could. And, but I just had to bail just as Walter was kind of coming in. So it just 
all worked out, you know. Well, you were there for the, we've done one live gig, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were there yeah. for that. Yeah. I did play yeah. at the whiskey. And now that, you know, <laughs> if I can do, whatever I can do, I still want to do, yeah. you know, because the great songs. Yeah, I'm and, super proud of the record. Yeah. You know, and, and I said record, there's an older guy talking again. And, you know, <laughs> like we were saying, uh, it's available on iTunes and it's out there and. I, I brought Eric two copies of the CD tonight because yeah. he didn't even get one. Because I'm just now getting it. But, you know, COVID <laughs> but, um, happened and no one's seen anybody. So it's like yeah. pretty trippy. But uh, it's, it's a really so, solid record. Yeah. And uh, and you did some of the writing too, obviously. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, um, was this your first time writing stuff? or uh, First time getting anything I'd written onto, you know, onto a recording, a, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a major label recording, I guess. Right, too. yeah. You know, tons of demos over the years of things and i i'd sang on some just played on some written with people all that but nothing right. ever went anywhere you know? got you yeah so very exciting in that regard for sure yeah i hadn't really thought about that <laughs> did you did you find did did it come easy did you find that you kind of found your voice as a writer or i mean obviously it's just one project but i would yeah so with that in mind uh i would say no not yet i'm still still, <laughs> still exploring but uh it, it, there was you know this happens with everybody in every project that they're involved in sure but i remember uh one of the big things for me was when rudy and i had our first meeting with the label and driving home at night i remember him singing what ended up turning into um uh pick your lies because uh, hmm. uh, at the time it was it was something else but it had the, the chorus melody right and and everything oh, that sounds really killer and then got home and i just went walked in the house and grabbed this one guitar and for whatever reason threw a capo on the seventh fret and just started playing these chords and i had within like a few five minutes i think i had it demoed on my phone of the uh what turned into shattered lives and mm-hmm. that was one where it's like it was fun to have something i wrote 90 percent of right away in an inspired moment right and i had in my head this is going to be i wanted this to be like Remember how the working title was Mafa for a long time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when I put it together, I thought this is going to be, Rudy's going to crush this vocal and it's going to become like mother father to yeah. us. We're all big Journey fans, you know, it, right. without being a, a direct ripoff of anything, it's like definitely inspired by. Mm-hmm. And the, with a few tweaks, we got that arrangement together. And I remember for me, one of the f- most fun stories of doing this project, I got to Walter's one time. I think it was probably a guitar day maybe, but some overdubs to do on that on that song. And he said, did you hear the vocal yet? I'm like, no. And, and then Rudy got there right, right before we were going to play it. And he goes, oh, you haven't heard this yet? He goes, I'm really kind of nervous, you know. And so he stood behind me while I, you know, we fired it up on the on the big speakers. And, you know, I, I was so blown away. I really, I literally had tears at the, at the end of the song. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, man, you knocked it out of the park. It's like, <laughs> and to have, and on one hand, it's it's kind of like talking about the roles we're in with, with Dwight and Dennis, where you're, you're playing, you're fulfilling a role on one hand. It was kind of similar where it's like, yeah, I presented this music, but it's not a song mm. until you know, the vocal melody and the vocal. And it's like, right. and it's like, wow, because he goes, I, I don't want to do something wrong with your baby. I wanted it to be right. And, and I just couldn't be more proud of the way that song turned out. Well, that's so great. One thing that, uh, back to Van Halen again, it's like a mm. uh, very good friend of mine, you, I'm sure you know him too, Al Estrada. Uh, He's yeah, just yeah. brilliant guitar player. In fact, he mm. was playing with David Lee Roth on the most recent tour before COVID. Right. He had he actually replaced me in the Journey Tribute Band when I got the Dennis gig. He, and I remember telling right. him, he learned the set in like, you know, two days notice or something and came and played so much better than me. It was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> but uh, he's a brilliant player. He was in yeah, the Van Halen Tribute for years and he's got all that stuff down down cold. Every so little... another guy, Van Halen Tribute, now he's playing with yeah, David exactly. Lee Roth. It's pretty crazy. And uh 
I was talking to him about the record when after it had been mastered and I think I gave him a couple of tracks to listen to and and I said, man, you know, the weirdest thing, he goes, I hope there's a lot of you know, this on there. Blah, blah. And I go, I said, you know what? There's there's only one song on there where my you know where I do any kind of tapping at all. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, well, I hope there's at least some phase 90 on there. I said, no, the big Eddie thing, right? I, mean, I said, well, actually they added one in, in, in you know, when, when Andy, Andy Zuckerman, a good friend of mine that, that mixed the record, that he he added one you know, post on this one section because it needed a little, little right. love. But, little Eddie. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a phase 90 in my pedal board. Nice. <laughs> uh, that'll work on a bass too. Absolutely. <laughs> Try it on a vocal. <laughs> and there's a, uh, Shatter's Lives, talk about that, the lyrics a little bit. Like that's kind of a deep message too in that song. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Rudy wasn't aware of, he told me earlier on, like when he first kind of had, you know, that spark of the idea for it, he was like, want to make it something about mental health, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and kind of approach it. And unbeknownst to him, you know, and uh, hopefully I get through this, mm-hmm. a good buddy of mine uh, committed suicide. And uh, so it became, it became very personal to me. And uh, gotcha. you know, when we did the video, I'm wearing one of his shirts in the mm-hmm. video. And, and um, it's one of the, it's, uh, it's like that silence. You know, it reminds me that, you know, it's a saying you hear all the time. It's like, you know, everybody out there is dealing with something. Right. And, you know, you, so before you let your anger out on something for some you know, traffic situation or somebody cuts you off here, that's like, you know, anybody, somebody could be at their last nerve, you know, or that. Right. And, right. but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how we celebrate, we, we give more weight, if you will, to like celebrity lives. I was, right. I was, I was going to say, we've lost a lot of important, everyone's important. You know, mm-hmm. Right. But um, the, the high profile situations like in music, we've had, you know, Chris Cornell and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Chester uh, oh, yes. Bennington recently. And then Robin, Robin Williams, I think was kind of where Rudy was focusing uh, for his original inspiration. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. terrible situation. And people have to understand that, you know, it's, Gives, helps a phone call away, but right. your friends often won't reach out. And you know, there's, there's like the, we put the national uh, suicide awareness hot hotline number, mm-hmm. I think in the video and. Right. You know, it's a, it's a big issue right now again. Yes. With, this, with the lockdown and everything. Cause you know, now people are more isolated. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a pretty relevant song. Yeah. And, so. I, and there's, it's true where there's a, you think about, I can't even imagine we talked about when you know, things were first starting up with you know, the lockdown. It's like, imagine if you had a new roommate mm-hmm. or a new boyfriend, girlfriend, new wife, husband. Right. It's like, or imagine if you're alone. Yeah. I'm sure I'd be talking to myself within three weeks, <laughs> three minutes, maybe. Yeah, exactly. you know, I talk to myself yeah. now. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? I don't understand. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. if you think about the you know things like, you know, spousal abuse or child abuse or yeah. pet abuse, that kind of thing. Right. Things are, it's easily exacerbated by this yeah it just amplifies yeah all of this situation
also did this cool intro to End of a Dream that me and Rudy had oh, written yeah. that song mostly. And then um, when I finally heard the the mix, I'm like, oh, whoa, what's that? Yeah. That's awesome. It's funny. Was that written specifically for that, or did you no, have that previous? We, we were kind of knocking things around, and and I think it's I think it's probably Walter's idea. Actually, he said, I feel like there should be like an intro to this piece, and and we were sitting there in the studio, and we we're just E minor, just guitar players thing, and <laughs> and we just knocked a few things around. I'm like, well, we'll come back to it, right? And then when I went home and I, I remembered I wrote this piece and I've been playing guitar for like a year. Mm-hmm. And I think I was listening to a lot of like um, Alex Lifeson from Rush and Steve Howe from Yes. And um, just kind of, it's it's not a very difficult piece, but it's like I was trying to find something that sounded classical to my young ears, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and I had this whole section and just never, I would play it all the time, like to myself, you know, I never forgot about it it's like hey it's, i might have a home here so i, I played it you know, on the phone that night and sent it to walter he goes this is great i think we can definitely use this and we put it on there and, and then we ended up using it as the outro too and it's it's a cool section some people have that's you know cool. like you know people on youtube comments mm-hmm. well that that sounds terrible they have the, like the what's all the it's lo-fi and it's popping it's like it's supposed to sound like that we try to make it sound but you know, like and some that's a say, hip really thing, cool. man. Yeah, I, it was on Dennis DeYoung's record. I heard that's it. right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was fun because it's you know sometimes you come for these little sections. That's part of the the joy of songwriting collaborations. So you're like, yeah. I've got this great verse and it goes nowhere. Right. Well, I've got this bridge. Okay, right. Kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds amazing. It's like bookends the whole yeah. thing, and yeah. And, uh, it may get, also gives it this sort of dreamy thing. It's called the end of a dream, but it's right. kind of a dreamy vibe. So, um, and that was a funny really thing cool. uh, that um, Frontiers when we were talking about which songs to do videos for, and that was one of them they wanted to do. And they they had sent us a couple of uh, like mid seventies Journey videos mm-hmm. where you know they're all wearing like white polyester, and <laughs> and it's just so funny. And uh, and Neil has uh, I think he was playing a, like a acoustic was on a Gracie stand, mm-hmm. right. And then, and the Frontiers guys were like, well, yeah, we were envisioned seeing this, you know, and, and August could be, what did they call it? August could have a sling. And I, I think of a sling or something. You're like, what? And like, we're definitely not dressing like that. It's like, no, no, no. We just did the, the vibe of this. But right. It's kind of And funny. it should probably be said, you know, it's Frontiers Records and they're yes. an Italian label. Correct. So that's that. <laughs> and, and, and Dennis is, is on that label. And oh, yeah. almost pretty much, I don't think Sticks is any... But uh, pretty much every yeah. band that from the 80s, yeah. 70s, 80s, 90s that's still working, 90% of them are on Frontiers. So yeah. they're keeping rock music alive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like Rick Springfield too. Like yeah. Not just heavy, heavy right. rock stuff, right. you know, it's, uh, it's pretty great. It's pretty cool. Dennis was super supportive of this record. Yes, and it's uh, kind of cool. He um, and one of the things too, he we play 
you know, with the, I know the, him as Dennis now. I'm right? on a first name basis. <laughs> oh, Mr. <Mister> Young. <laughs> yeah, you know, when we play the songs like before the concert or on the way out. We mm-hmm. always, he always puts in one of our songs in there. And oh, like, that's so cool. I remember asking him, it's like, yeah, would be okay. of course. You know? uh, so that's really yeah. neat that he uh, allows. So were you ever apprehensive about telling him or? A little bit. Yeah. You know, could, um, so it's not always, not every artist is going right. to want that to happen, you know? And he's, he's always been so encouraged encouraging to all of us in the band too and it's like yeah. you know on one level it's like you know hey if you ever get a bigger better offer you know God, i want to hold you back <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it's like i love you but you know i'll find someone else right <laughs> and he well i remember reading an email from him too i think it was where he like kind of gave some feedback on the record yeah which was really which is really, really, really cool at one point he was like oh you know i'm I don't have the time, but I wish I, I wish I'd have produced this for you. And, it's like, <laughs> and, uh, and here was so especially cool. the, you know, the, the song found you now that the, there's two versions on the record, of course. And I've been doing the acoustic one in, in my shows too. And yeah. actually, you know, I don't sing this on the record and Rudy sings a lot better than I do, but you know, this is kind of give you an idea of it. And yeah. A lot of people from the show have bought the record now and the record, the CD or mm-hmm. downloaded it or yeah. something. Yeah. But, um, there's the full blown version of the song, you know, it's, it's pr- pretty much Walter's baby, that song. But, um, mm. and he was like, this song sounds like it came out of the Jonathan Cain playbook. You know, I see what yeah. you guys are going for. And, and it was like, yeah. oh, they said it's criminal. You know, the end section, the, the, the outro, the whoa. Mm-hmm. He goes, why are there not words there? That, that's the <laughs> biggest hook of the song. Goes, what are you guys doing? And he, we're at the airport and he's like, hold on. And he walks away. Well, that was weird. You know, he's like, just chewed me out about his song choice. It's already done. We can't. Right. And he comes back like, you know, 10 minutes later. He's like, you might want to write this down. He goes, I got, I got the scores for you. He goes, he, he gives me, here's the title. I'm like, I'm like and I didn't because I was like, this is so weird. But wow. I mean, he was going to, he wanted to fix the song that's for us. That's cool. <laughs> wow. That's really cool though. So from, you know, your life has been pretty incredible from a kid from Alaska. And uh, when you look back, like when yeah. you were, your arm was hurt and you started learning that guitar, did you ever kind of imagine that this is where it was going to end up? Never at all. And that's, you know, somebody you know, told me recently, it's like, again, because I tend to dog myself a lot on those Friday shows, so I get upset about not sounding great on something or whatever, like, great on something. And uh, <laughs> and say that, you know, think back to when, you know, could you ever have imagined when you first started playing guitar that you'd be where you are now and talking about this and having the experience that you have of playing with somebody you grew up listening to and n- not idolizing specifically, but, you know, it's like, again, with Eddie passing recently, it's like, we came up at a certain time when it's like, and you had posters on your wall of rock bands, and these guys were, yeah. you know, they were they were like superheroes in a way. Like yeah. They were, yeah. And it turns out, funny later, as you, you know, when you're 13 and somebody's 20, you know, it seems like you don't realize they're, you know, 30 years later, they're you're almost the same age, but, right. <laughs> but they seem like they're so much older. But right, um, yeah, exactly. Just incredible to to have some of the experience I've had and to meet some of the people that. Uh, I think I would say we. We don't often, like the Boston thing was the only band we've really gone out on the road, toured with, but we mm-hmm. have, you know, had lots of bands open for us over the years and we've opened for some other bigger bands, like Heart, for example, it comes to mm-hmm. mind. And we've just done several shows with Pat Benatar and cool. um, Blue Oyster Cult, I'm, 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 <laughs> Rick Springfield, right. but um, 38 Special, I think, I'm missing somebody I can't think of right now, but anyway, the point I was going to make was the first time I met uh, Neil Giraldo with Pat Benatar, mm-hmm. afterwards, you know, our manager was like, "You got to stop being such a fanboy with these people and t- treat them like <laughs> treat them like peers." And I said, hey, he's not, "I'm not his peer, right? Are you, are you kidding me? It's like wow." But uh, the thing about it is that everybody I've met in these bands that 
that are, you know, rock stars to me and legitimately, you know, yeah. I've not had a single instance yet of somebody who was a jerk at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. everyone's been so, I, I get the feeling that people are grateful that, you know, Dennis says this sometimes too. It's like, if I would have known, you know, people would be coming to pay money and see me sing these songs 30 years later, yeah. I would have written them in a lower key for one. But it's like, <laughs> you know, but it's like I think they just feel grateful that they're, yeah. that people still care. Right. People come out and support them still. Yeah. So yeah. they're, they're very gracious about it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's so great. I actually, we did a show with 38 special and ended up at the bar with them afterwards and whoo, those guys are still <laughs> rock stars. You know what I mean? Well, man, uh, it's been such an awesome yeah, time. Yeah, this is very cool. Thanks for having me. And thanks for telling me all your stories. And I'm, I, I know there's tons more. And uh, <laughs> this is, I'm driving, I'm like, <laughs> I forgot to say this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really mm. a pleasure talking to you. And uh, so thanks for being on the show. Absolutely, man. My pleasure. And I uh, look forward to hearing what you edit out of this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now it's time for that beer. <laughs> yes, let's do it. I'd like to say in defense of me not practicing eight hours a day uh, during college is that eventually I had to catch up with all that stuff that I had kind of half-assed in college. Um, uh, my first kind of jazz, contemporary jazz, smooth jazz, if you will, uh, gig was Nelson Rangel, sax player from Denver. And I remember getting that gig and I had just got done playing in a blues band for years before that, maybe six or seven years in different blues bands. And um to go from that to playing lines and playing jazz and, and, and playing really difficult technical music was quite a shock to the system. It brought me right back to, to Berkeley in my brain and thought, wow, maybe I should have put in those eight hours. So eventually I had to do that, you know? So really what I did was just delayed that, but eventually I had to put in the eight hours or the the 10,000 hours or whatever figure you think is appropriate or, or you use as your goal and um, it will catch up to you. So yeah, uh, there's no getting out of the work, you know what I mean? And uh, that's what I think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to avoid the work and that's not going to really serve you in the end. I also loved when he said, he had talked to a friend who said he could find the one thing in any song that he liked enough to get through it. And I've often said that um, I don't have the luxury of always playing the music that I like, you know, and I think this is a really good technique in getting through those overplayed songs or the, the ones that you don't enjoy hearing, you know, I think that's something I kind of come to naturally as well to get to get through because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all music and, and there's got to be something you can enjoy about everything, even if it's brown eyed girl every single night. <laughs> There's a bass solo in that song, at least. GIT is a college here in Los Angeles, uh, and it stands for Guitar Institute of Technology. And eventually they added, like, Vocal Institute of Technology, VIT, and Bass, you know, BIT, and so on and so forth. Now it's all just called MI, Musicians Institute, and not MIT, which is what I refer to it as. That's a really smart college in Massachusetts. The Atomic Punks is a Van Halen tribute band, and they're still out there doing it, and they're awesome. Check them out. Rockstar was the movie that we were talking about. It was the movie of a guy who got, gets discovered on YouTube and becomes the lead singer of um, his favorite rock band. Chuck Panazzo is the bass player for Styx, 
And GERD, I had to look up GERD. It stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease. And it's a digestive disorder that affects the ring of muscles between your esophagus and your stomach. So there you have it. You learn all kinds of things on the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast. And I hope you enjoyed learning those things. I'm a Dive Bar Rockstar. Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams. <laughs>